Welcome to The Real Deal, Mind, Spirit, and Body, Episode 6, featuring Dr. David Granoff and Dr. Mark Kalina, produced by Kalinoff Productions. Welcome back. I hope uh, that I'm welcoming back some folks to our podcast, and I certainly hope that I'm welcoming some additional listeners. I am Dr. David Granoff, clinical psychologist in Cleveland, Ohio, and across the continent is Dr. Mark Kalina who is a physician in La Jolla, California. Today's podcast is going to be a discussion of the coronavirus and our national, even international, quarantine from a medical, psychological, spiritual, and practical viewpoint. You know, today's podcast is going to be a discussion of the coronavirus and the quarantine because, after all, how else could we talk about anything else today with what's going on? Uh, to help us today... Uh, we ha- and to have a fresh breath of information on this topic is Linda Bazin. Did I say that right, Linda? Yes, you did. All right. Owner of Breath, Body, and Connection in La Jolla, California. We have invited her to join us today because with her 35 years of experience in the wellness field, she will be able to share with us an important perspective on breath and the mind-body connection while also sharing some simple, practical exercises that can help us take care of ourselves through this quarantine. Welcome, Linda. Thank you. Thanks for having yeah. me. Oh, it's exciting. So we are organizing all of our podcasts, and if you've listened to any before this, as an open dialogue between two old friends of 40 years who are in related fields uh, and from different vantage points have come to similar conclusions about health and well-being. Today, we're going to start with Dr. Markalina discussing the coronavirus from a medical, and I can promise you this, it will also be a spiritual perspective because he does not separate those two. So we will talk about this after he starts off the dialogue in a free-form manner, and Linda and I will jump in and discuss what we are seeing within our clients, how we're working with people in our practices, and how we're all getting through this remarkable time. Uh, We will work real hard to ground this discussion in the practical. So, Mark, Dr. Kalina, you want to take take it from there? Absolutely. Hello, David. Hello, Linda. And yeah, this is a, this is the craziest time I think all of us have ever known. And I do. I've always believed in the oneness of life, the universality, whatever you want to call it. And I think this is actually the first time arguably, in human history, that we are all on the same page. We all, this, you know, the Olympics, I think, are the classic thing that have brought people together and it brings the whole world together and we see these other cultures. And that doesn't even hold a match, let alone a candle, to what we got going on now because everyone knows someone who's died. Everybody knows someone who's sick. Everyone takes, breathes, takes deep breaths, and that is the mechanism of how these human, how people die. And so, and, and me as a hospice, an end-of-life doctor, along with being a regular internal medicine doctor, I have always believed that we should all look over our shoulders at death. Because death isn't bad. It just happens. It happens to everybody. And now we have this universal story where we're all looking at it 
square in the face and it's here and it's sending a super loud message, I think. And I think everybody's listening. Everybody, you know, we're, the, the trouble is we're listening and often completely freaked out, whether it's because of the media, because we're scared, because people are sick, but basically everybody's getting the message. We got to slow down. It's, we, we've been going way too fast. This life where we produce, we create, we, we make millions and billions and we're destroying the planet. As, as, a, as a world, we're generally destroying the actual place that we live in and where we raise our children, grow our food, all those things. And now we got a message and everything stopped. Everything is stopped. Well, that is for sure. Wow, was that powerful, Dr. Kalina? That was powerful. And you know, as, as you were talking, and I was thinking about all the people I'm I'm seeing and I'm and, and everything that's going on. I also thought ironic that that you and I, I I flew out to California at the end of December to to meet with you to start this podcast. And in retrospect, what we learned is I got the coronavirus flying out there, and I gave it to you. We both had it. It is absolutely that is just absolutely impossible. It didn't exist when when you were here. It didn't exist as an entity. We didn't know, and you were you were you were super sick. And I said, "Shut up! Just keep going. Don't be such a wind. You've got a cold. Come on, grant off. What's the matter with you?" And yes, I remember. We've always had this rivalry, this sports rivalry, which is at the core of our friendship. And right, your your school. I said you were softer. You were weaker. You know, you were stronger, and you beat the crap out of us. So all of that is true. And and yes, before really before. I mean, they say coronavirus maybe first got in California in December. And bottom line is. You brought it here before. <laughs> so basically, it was on me that I infected the. I began the infection of the state of California. <laughs> no, I think you started the whole thing. You've always been the problem. <laughs> well, at least we agree on something. Oh my God! I, I will tell you this: when the nurse, I one of my gigs is I'm a consultant at university school. Happens to be that that place that we first met each other and I and became rivals. And uh, the nurse there, in in retrospect, she is she is so enraged at me because after getting after the fever lifted, and and I felt better, I went back to work and I was there. And she she in retrospect, she looks at it like I was I, I had the bubonic plague, right? Because people are dying, and she is just angry at me for bringing that virus into university school. Now I don't I don't think I was the only one, but uh, and I don't even know Mark. Is is once you get better, once the symptoms are are diminished, or the fever is gone, and the the, the breathing issues are gone, um, are you contagious after that? You know, that's it's a debated question. And can you get it again? I believe the old principles that are, are like strep throat and influenza is once you've had it, your body develops antibodies and it's over. I truly believe that. I believe that in my case, my my work, and I work for a brilliant woman who's a, an incredible doctor and has researched this fully. And I'm the I'm the only one not allowed to wear a mask now. So I think 
I think we're safe, and I think the people that are around us are safe. Okay, what about what about like my children who, when I came back from visiting you, you know, I was still I was just starting to get over it. I mean, I think I still had the fever when I flew back, but when I came back, you know, another few days and the fever lifted and I got better and I went back to work, and then my wife got it, and she was out for a good ten days, and she had the same symptoms I had, right? She was. She had the fever. She had the chills. She had the sore throat. She had the breathing issues. She thought she was getting pneumonia. And uh, and then, you know, she got over it as well, thank God. Um, but our three kids were obviously exposed to it every day. So they had no symptoms. So question my wife has had is, uh, can kids who are asymptomatic still be carriers and still, still uh, give it to somebody else? I think that is absolutely true, and I would bet. And the way I found out that it was coronavirus is I did an antibody test. I recently did it at my work. It's an antibody. And I showed the IgG, which means I had the infection somewhere around three months ago. A result, I resol the infection's resolved. And I believe you would have that. And I truly believe that, yeah, your kids probably had it. They're just young and healthy. They're way healthier than both of us. And their immune systems handled it and i also believe your wife was probably right i know this is right husband wife bantering but she probably did have pneumonia because that's what happens and and i think she probably did have pneumonia so it's there's all sorts of ways this is presents from totally asymptomatic which we're proving now with these antibody tests at my work that People people come in, they have a positive IgM, which is, means they just recently had the infection, and they didn't have a lick of symptoms. And then, again, a lot of us remember something a few months back that was super strong and rocked our boat and rocked our world for a week. And I will also say, you know, I think you went on for like two weeks, which is the way you know, you were super sick, but again, you you were trying to be strong and tough and carry on. And I have to say, I was on vacation after you left when I was sick, and I didn't do anything except go from the bed to the couch and drink water and chicken noodle soup. And I I think I recovered in a week, and which I think is actually pretty good. And I actually had a pretty smooth ride, but I also was able to completely give into it. Yeah, I want to add something. I think when you guys got it, you didn't know about coronavirus, and you just treated it as a common cold or flu, where now when people get sick, there is such a heightened level of fear because of coronavirus. And that fear in itself, you know, uh, makes your immune system worse. It uh, constricts your uh muscles around your lungs and throat because you're just anticipating something worse happening so you can't even breathe more than you know just thinking oh this is a common cold i'll get through it because your mental state has such a big effect on your physical being anyway well that so, is that is so true hey linda so so when i had it and, and the reason i mean it was a, when i think it was kind of almost a detective story figuring out that that's what i had but this is what triggered when someone said, did you figure it out? Yeah, you had the coronavirus. And I'm like, nah, I didn't have it. But this is what, what changed that idea for me was I had one symptom I had never had before, and that was I had difficulty breathing at times. 
it was a very strange symptom. It was almost like it felt, I didn't know if it was heart or lung, but I, my breath would catch. And then I, and then, you know, I mean, that catches your attention, right? Now, I wasn't worried about dying and I wasn't worried about the coronavirus. But what I did was I, I just kind of relaxed and then just breathed gently and slowly into that. And, and those moments passed. But I will tell you that happened about six or eight times while I was sick. So what can you tell, uh, will you tell me about how people, since this is a respiratory illness, where people are catching it in that way and then they're expressing it that way, how, what, what do you do with breath? What do you, how do you manage that? I think, you know, I mean, I'm definitely not an expert on coronavirus, but what I've found out is um, actually Mark has also told me that is, you know, ventilators aren't working that well. And what I would recommend people at this point is that we, most of us, use such small percentage of our breath capacity. It's like 10 to 15 percent. And then when you add fear on top of that uh, and your breath becomes shallow, uh, your muscles start contracting, so it becomes even less. So learning how to breathe properly before you get to a place where there's a lot of anxiety, where it's already hard to breathe properly, I think could be a key factor here that could help people through the hard times. And it's not just doing deep diaphragmatic breathing will not only help them be able to breathe properly if they they have shortness of breath, but it's also great for the immune system, for reducing stress, sleeping better. I mean, it helps you on so many levels. So, Linda, what what on this on this podcast, which is going to going to go fifteen or twenty minutes, is there a, a two or a three minute? instruction manual you can share that that will let people who do listen to this know what they can do to, to help themselves uh yes i do have um a little sheet on my website which takes people through step-by-step guide on how to breathe properly especially into your diaphragm um it's at breathbodyconnection.com uh, slash breathe uh, but I'll go over it quickly now. Um, what I like to do is have people really put their hands around their rib cage. Because uh, Mark was with me. I did a weekend workshop on breath work. And you see people having so many different kinds of breath patterns. A lot of people don't get into their belly, into their diaphragm to breathe. They're just using their neck and shoulder uh, muscles up from the rib cage up to breathe. And the list goes on. There's many different kinds of breath patterns. But just to practice is to put your hands around your rib cage and then fully, fully relax your neck, neck and your entire body. You know, I'm listening to you and I'm doing what you're saying and I and I realize how tight my neck was. It was fascinating. But, but go, go ahead. I'm sorry, Linda. It's fascinating to see how many people use their chest and their neck to breathe. And that's what creates even more anxiety. Um, so you put your hands around your rib cage. I like to, like, at the beginning, have somebody, like, even uh, use a little maybe scarf around their neck and hold it down so that they can realize how much their necks lift while they're breathing. So you put your hands around your rib cage, maybe pucker your lips, and take your breath all the way down. 
all the way down to your tailbone, watching your belly rise, your rib cage expand, and then filling up your chest cavity, and then exhaling super, super slow. And there's a couple of different breath mode, breath techniques you can use. You could slowly start breathing in for two and then exhaling for four, exhaling everything, everything, everything out, and then breathing in again for two. And as you, as two becomes easier without using your neck and all the muscles that you're not supposed to use while you're breathing, maybe you can, you know, uh, increase it to three breaths in and then exhaling for six. Lots of breath modalities, but this is an easy way to get started. That that is great. As you as you talk about it, it makes me want to uh, take one of your workshops or take a class because I was noticing so many of those those uh, elements that you were describing just in that short time that I do, in particular the neck being tight. So that's a, that's a great thing. So Mark, back to you then. So this is a respiratory illness. So what are you and everybody's everybody's anxious, right? Everybody's having a yep. A, a range of emotions. I'll talk in a few moments about what I'm seeing and how I'm I'm watching people get through this. What are you seeing medically? What are you seeing when people come to you medically? How what's going on? Well, the the classic is 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 fever, body aches, fever. You know, maybe 102, 103. I didn't have a I didn't have a thermometer. I'm a doctor without a thermometer, but I I knew I had a big fever. I I felt so bad in my body and aching, and so yeah, this this fever. I had really no appetite for almost a week, and I didn't and and the cough. It was it was a different kind of cough. It didn't really bring up stuff. Some people bring up stuff. Some people don't. The throat thing is variable. The loss of smell. I didn't really have that, but I don't have a sense of smell anyway, and. Uh, so the, it's variable, but it really is this high spiking fever along with this cough. And, and yeah, I, mean, I didn't really experience the difficulty breathing. And I truly believe that it was because I took Linda's breath workshop and I've done breath work with Linda for a long time. And I will say those things, breathing into the pelvis and breathing into the diaphragm are things, but I... I also learned other things. It's breathing. I breathed all the way into my feet when I was sick. I breathed into my legs because just breathing into your pelvis kind of helps bring it down, but I, you can go lower. And you can also breathe into the backs of your lungs, which I learned with Linda, and and the sides. And, again, yeah, like Linda says, there's, we use 15% of, of our breath, of our respiratory capacity, this gift from God, we use – 15% when we're good, and that probably gets down to 2% or 5%, and and it can be totally expanded if we can calm down. And the way to calm down is through the breath. So anyway, I I I, I do I've been seeing it, but I I you know we're doing telemedicine because nobody's coming in anymore, so we talk on the phone. But I, I, that's what we do. Me, my boss, this other, the third cardiologist, we teach people how to breathe. And, and we do t tell them that they're not alone because everyone's alone right now. Everyone's socially distanced, which increases fear because humans 
can have a really calming effect on people, and we don't get to do that right now. But we can, you can still be with people. So I'm, I just talk to people multiple times a day if it's required. Talk to the scared people. Talk to the people who feel sick. And it's not just the sick people that are scared. Everybody's scared. Yeah, and, everybody's scared. That's for sure. Yeah. And the other thing, and I couldn't do this when I was sick. I mean, there, I couldn't move around, but I could go outside. And the light of the sun, I also believe, is incredible form of healing. You could say, you know, we there's vitamin D, but I, please let's not think that the sun is only giving us vitamin D. It's doing so many things. It is the miracle, the spiritual miracle. And I am lucky here in San Diego because there's a lot more sun here than there is in Cleveland or most of the world. <laughs> yeah. But even just five to ten minutes of sun, our bodies respond to. It's immune stimulating. It helps us get through all this. Wow. So, so I'm going to tie in something that Linda said with what you just said because she heard it from you. Is you're talking so much, both of you, about about breathing. And Linda mentioned that the ventilators, the respirators, whatever they're called, aren't really working. So, what, do, what can you tell us about that? That the the craziest thing, I mean, all in the crisis in China, in Italy, in New York, is that, you know, when people crash and they go into the hospital and we put them on a ventilator uh, a lot of times to try and save their life, but it's in this situation, it's crazy. Modern technology, this incredible invention, which I do, I have to say, is I've seen save so many people's lives. Right now, it's not the best thing. It's really, it actually hurts, and where, where, where. So we we like to depend on the 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 masculine, the strong, the technological. But the truth is, it's calmness right now is actually better for people. And if we can keep people off a ventilator and support them with fluids, whether orally or IV, and that is the other thing that's super important in getting better is breath, but it's fluids. And I, I mean, whether it's, and salty fluids for me were really good for me. And that's what we give in IVs is, is salt and chicken noodle soup. At least that's the one I talk about, the chicken broth. There's salt in it, and it's really good because people's blood pressure gets low. So, and that's all about being depleted and drained. And, and the lungs do better when our tank, our, our fluid tank is full. So that's it, it's just another key thing that's so important for people, these simple things, the breath, fluids. They say to drink warm water warm fluids every few minutes, every 10 to 15 minutes. Number one, it washes your mouth out. Number two, it keeps the lungs functioning better, keeps our minds functioning better. It decreases that fever response, the thing that they call cytokine storm fluids. You know, we all tend to go toward Tylenol and Advil right away to make that feel better. And I did that a couple times when I felt particularly crummy. But the truth is the natural things and and fever is a good thing, but we just need to keep hydrated and keep breathing. So so the, uh, listen, I'm digging maybe a little too deep here, but but you said so that it's a bad thing the respirators, um, and because because 
why? It's not it's not helping people breathe better. It's not saving them. It's making things worse. What? I think I think the 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 way I understand it, the uh, when people have this involved in their lungs, it doesn't respond to posit a high pressures that the ventilator gives, and people actually do poorly, and it causes their body to shut down, and they don't do well with the high pressures and support that the ventilators give. Whereas in my past history, I mean, ventilators can be miraculous and are miraculous and keep people alive until the doctors figure out the underlying problem. But with this, what's going on now, it's actually the, the, the whole key is quieting the nervous system and ending the panic and people, and then people actually do better. So that's the way people are, we're trying to take people, I say we, but the medical world is, can we keep people supported, nourished a little bit with fluids and in a calmer state so that they, because the truth is our natural immune system will get us through this. That is, that's remarkable. Mark, th first of all, thank you for sharing all that with, with us. Go ahead, Linda, I'm sorry. No worries. I just, uh, when Mark was talking, I was just thinking, okay, he started by saying that some of the benefits of the coronavirus, you know, us all stopping because we were going at such fast, you know, speed and also the benefits to the environment. And um, I was just thinking, what if we all really stopped and started really breathing? I mean, the breath is, is life force. It's the beginning and end to everything. And if we all became more became more connected to our breath, we would get so much more connected to the people around us, to the earth, to just slowing down. Wow, that that's fascinating, Linda. I I challenge you to create a national breathathon. All right, <laughs> <laughs> where we're all doing it together. That would be fantastic. Hey, you know what I'm going to also add because you've got me going off in a bunch of directions is there was a there's a guy who a psychologist who does violence research in schools and what he has found is that if they start a school day, if you start a school day with 1 minute of quiet and breathing that there's mm -hmm. less violence in the schools. Yes. Wow. Oh my God. What school? What guy is this? What's uh, he's an Israeli. I can't remember his name. I read the research a while ago, but I, I could get it for you if you're interested. I, I have to look it up. Um, but there's a guy. Uh, this is the way to find it too. There's a there's a guy who does a lot of research and a lot of writing about bullying. Uh, guy's name is Izzy Kalman. He's out of Israel now too. He was a New Yorker for lots of years, and um, he's got a website called called The Bullies to Buddies, and he's really he does great stuff. And that was part I, – I saw the research on his website. I know we're probably running short on time. And you and I, Dave, you're the mind guy. I'm the body guy. And the truth is the whole thing gets – the mind, the body, this whole life gets driven by the spiritual. And it may not be about religion. It doesn't – to me, it doesn't matter at all what what team you want to be on. But the spiritual, and I think this coronavirus is a calling to the spiritual, that we are all one, that that we've been doing too many things and, be, and spending less time being. 
being in the form of breathing and just being calm and and that this is a call actually here on Easter Sunday as we do this that it is this this whole coronavirus is a call for rebirth and and we have a chance to start again and we have a chance to start again from a calmer place as opposed to a frenetic pace and it it, it really this this is a gift i i say that in face of all the people all the healthcare workers who are sick and 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 overtaxed and all the people in all the world that are sick and dying i there is a gift in this and i hope we can find it and we can make the world a better place yeah i want to add it seems like we've been in masculine energy for so long and it's become so out of balance and moving more into the feminine energy of nurturing ourselves, slowing down, nurturing our family, the world, the planet. It just seems like would bring more balance to everything. Mark and Linda, I'm speechless. You guys have been so articulate and so and so beautiful in your words, eloquent in your words that I don't want to I was going to go into talking about the the patients that I see and how people are coping, but I think that's actually for another time. Um, so this, I think this has been great. I can't wait to, to hear it on our podcast. Linda, you've been great. Thank you so much for joining us. Okay. Thanks. Right. Take care, guys. Thanks.